From my heart to yours, I'm Kristen, and this is the Love Lead XL podcast. Subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, are you in for a treat in today's episode? We are stepping into the world of music with Grammy-winning producer Paul Abgerinos. Paul is a multi-Grammy winning artist and producer with over 200 million streams. He's a classically trained multi-instrumentalist and singer with 33 critically acclaimed ambient new age albums. I could not be any more excited today. He's also very active in composing and licensing music for film and TV with actually over a catalog of 9,000 tracks. He's a full scholarship graduate of Peabody Conservatory, and he lives and works in Redding, Connecticut, where the deer pass by his studio windows and the hawks and eagles give inspiration from above. Let's delve deep into the artistic journey as Paul shares insights from his creative process, business ventures, and the transformative power of prayer, visualization, and affirmations in music and life. I am so excited for my time today with Paul. Um, Today is going to be such a treat for you all. One of the things that I loved that I heard him say most was, and this may have just been something that I pulled from online. So Paul, forgive me. uh, But you said, I get to make soothing, beautiful, peaceful music to calm and comfort the hearts of so many souls. So today with that, I'm so happy to welcome you to the show today and also inspire everyone who's listening. Paul, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here, Kristen. Yeah, I... You know, the the Love Lead XL podcast, we obviously have our circle and our network of listeners. I have mine, you have yours. And one of my goals was to kind of break through that barrier. Uh, one of the things that I remember thinking and someone had mentioned to me was there's six degrees of the Kevin Bacon law. Have you heard that before? Sure. So six degrees of separation. Yeah, that's a yep. great one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, I, I had to Google this concept and it's yeah. that any two people on earth can be linked together through six or less acquaintances. And so, um, you know, when we kind of link through email, I was like, oh my gosh, like just in the words that you wrote in your email, I, I was like, I had to have you on the show. I had to have you. Oh. Well, thank you. Yeah. I do feel very connected with you. We're kindred spirits, no doubt. I feel that. So my first question is going to be just super fun. So let's say you were invited to a cocktail party and you are on your way to the penthouse floor and you're in the elevator with a complete stranger and they look at you and they say, Paul, what do you do? What's your answer to that? I am love. I am (gasps) bliss. I am one with you. We are all one. So what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, if we're going that deep, I would probably say that I am I'm I'm an energy creator and an energy spreader. That's what Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. And it just so happens that I do that through connection and music in all sorts. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, you're you're connecting helping people to feel their oneness with each other and helping to feel that inexhaustible infinite energy within them and 
helping to manifest that and share it. It's just so beautiful when, when that's awakened, right? Oh, that's so good. So I have to let the listeners know how you and I connected because it's a little bit non-traditional, right? Um, right? So for those of you who don't know, I recently released an album earlier this year and I had the pleasure of being able to be connected with somebody who is a Grammy member. And so we went through the process of, you know, submitting the album to the Grammys for consideration. Well, the thing is, is that once that gets submitted, I'm over here like, okay, now what? Like, no one knows who I am. How are they even going to know to listen? The whole world of, of music really just got opened in an area that I had never been exposed to. And I was terrified. I'm not going to lie to you, Paul, absolutely terrified. Cause I'm like, yeah. well, it's going out there, you know, and the PR company that I worked with, they said, okay, you're going to have to tell your story. You can't just release the music. And so they encouraged me to write an email. Then the email got sent. And out of, out of all the responses that I got back with the music, I could just really tell that you had taken the time to really listen in, in more ways than just the story. And so I really appreciate that. You know, one of the things that you said was um, uh, that my fun song, take me home, put a huge smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, it did. And you included emojis. I think that's what got me. I think we were speaking through emojis. <laughs> so, that's, that's so you've it. done this so many more times. What does that season usually look like for you? Yeah, I started in 2015, uh, just like you. I had no experience with it and didn't know anybody. But uh, the goddess smiled on me, and I got a nomination my first year, which was, like, ridiculous. I think a lot of people hated me. <laughs> They're like, that's not fair. <laughs> I've been doing this 20 years. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I, I say everything is the, is the grace of God, the way I look at it. You know, everything's a miracle. Everything is serendipity and law of attraction and it's just all blessed. Of course, I did have a career of almost 30 years in New Age before I got involved with the Grammy. So I think that helped. You know, I had some name recognition, which is a good place to start from. But, you know, it's it's a lot of networking and a lot of um a lot of deep dives with folks to try to connect with them and, and you know, what what are you about? What's your music about? And 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 you know, this is Kristen, this is one of my favorite parts of the Grammy process is this this exchange like what's right now the fact that we're doing this together it started with a with a grammy pitch and i really liked you and i liked your music and then he said well hey let's do this podcast and i'm saying oh yeah i'd love to do that you know and there's these wonderful connections like my christmas album that i just released came about because of a phone call with a grammy voter that i've known for quite a few years yeah, we were just talking about this and that. And somehow, I don't know how, in the middle of July, we got on the subject of Christmas albums. Yeah. And I got off, yeah, I got off the phone. And I said, Oh my gosh, I'm doing a Christmas album. And I I would never have gotten there without this phone call. I don't think I would ever have gotten around to it because it was too obvious. It was like, well, duh, everybody makes a Christmas album. Why not you? Make a new age Christmas album. But so that that's an example of the beautiful exchanges. There's another one right now, right now making a, a beautiful album, Gratitude Joy 3, with two fellows in India that I met through this process. And it's it's a really amazing album. These guys are incredible. They're so good. So, you know, that's I think that's the best part of this process. I mean, the nominating the win, 
truth be told is completely awesome you know and it's it's so validating you feel like oh my all my life's work you know was worth something i i wasn't it wasn't just a vanity project mm-hmm. i wasn't just fooling myself but i actually am touching hearts and souls and you know artists need to need to know that right because we work often we work in isolation especially us that don't tour we don't do gigs I don't see many folks, you know, I live out in the woods. So <laughs> at least you have your deer walking through by the yeah. windows though, which is so peaceful. Yeah. I see a good amount of wildlife, but not that yeah. many people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I love it. I, I love connecting with people. This the whole Grammy process is fabulous for that. There's parties you can go to and you know, and you you hear projects that you would never hear. You know, like your album is really cool. It looks like country pop folk. It's I wouldn't necessarily come across that because, you know, we're all siloed in our little genres. And yep. it, it, things are very specialized these days. I mean, New Age is a whole big tent just by itself. There's so much stuff just in that one little one genre. And it's a small genre. Yeah. So, yeah. And every year you hear certain things where you're like, oh, my gosh, that is so good. You're like, wow. I am not worthy. Your engineering is better than mine. Your production, everything is just, you know, firing on all cylinders. So that's, that's inspiring. Yeah. So I do want to dig into your, is it Shanti Noel? Is, did I say that properly? Yeah. Shanti Noel. Yep. So that's your Christmas album that just came out. And I spent some time the morning of this podcast recording, just kind of like getting into it because I feel like if, when I, when I remove the whole entire world from my brain and I just dig into something, I can, it's almost like I put myself into your brain when you're doing that. Right. And so I'm, I'm so, first of all, silent night, probably one of my favorites. Um, I, I loved every bit of how you put this together and I'm going to be a little bit naive for a minute. So pardon me, but there was no vocals on that. Was that all instrument that made me hear the verses? Oh, no, there's a lot of vocals. That's Juliet Lyons. She's a fabulous singer out okay. in, um, out on the West Coast. And she's featured on that track. But what 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 what's happening, though, is her voice is woven in with electronic sounds like. Yes theremins and synthesizer voices so it's all blended together and there's a lot of effects on everything so what i do is i i make things mold with each other so they kind of it's like a a synchronicity or a yeah when they make um a new sound comes out out of a combination of many different sounds so it's kind of a hybrid so that's a big part of my technique i'm a huge layering guy you know you're looking at 30, 40 tracks of vocals there and yep. seven, eight synthesizers just playing the melody. And then there's all the backup tracks and Ugh. everything. So it's fun though, because you know, you can achieve these delicate, nuanced layerings that are very subtle. And the goal is that, you know, if they listen to this 10 years from now, it'll stand up because there's so much richness and it's so well done. Yes. Yeah, you it it'll stand the test of time. That's 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 what I'm trying to do. Trying to make things that are timeless, even though even though it's very electronic, uh, musically, sonically, 
I'm trying to trying to create some timeless uh, classical beauty. Yeah. It, it's definitely recognized exactly how you did. And I think you accomplished that. You know, you. it's interesting because I I know that you've you've got a lot of experience under your belt with stuff like this. How have you seen? the industry change over time and maybe within regards to technology and music production. Right. Yeah. I started with tape recorders and splicing tape with razor blades. It was just crazy. Right. It's like, yes. how did we ever get anything done? I don't know. I, I have and, the same questions. <laughs> yeah. And and a lot of times I love to go and listen to a favorite record from like 1980 that was done just on tape machines. And I'm like, oh my, like, yes, 90125. It's just, that's the one that starts Owner of a Lonely Heart, you know, it just, yeah. it just gets better from there. So albums like that are so inspiring because when that happened, me and my friends were like, oh, we are not worthy. It's like, how did they do this? You know, it's just like incredible singing, incredible production. So, you know, you know, Kristen, at the end of the day, it all comes back to musicianship, right? Mm -hmm. Technology, AI, et cetera, synthesizers will never replace the depth of a great musician, you know, of a John Anderson or Trevor, or those guys, just amazing producer engineers. It makes our life easier, though, because, you know, when you go to do a production, it's less stressful. Mm -hmm. I can punch in. I can fix the middle of a word on a Shanti Noel vocal, which I couldn't do on tape before. I had to record a whole section over. Oh, man. It's hard. Yeah. Well, back then, when we finally got digital, what we would do is we'd fly the vocal takes to the computer edit them on the computer. We had four tracks of Pro Tools. That was the state of the art back when it started. Four. First oh, it was man. two. Oh, then it man. went to four. And we were like, <laughs> oh no. Oh my gosh. Four tracks. Four whole tracks. Count them. We were so happy. So we'd fly it over there. We'd do the edit, which was really hard because the editing was crude back then. We'd do the edit. Then we'd fly it back to the tape machine. It was synchronized by Simpty Timecode. And it took about 30 seconds for the tape machine to sync up with the computer. It was like, vroom, 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 lock. Okay, go, punch it. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. It, it, it is a whole other world. And the board, the mixing board, everything was manual. You had to reset all the knobs just for that song. And there was like a thousand knobs. So you had pieces of paper that all these little markings on it. It was like all the channels you'd write, well, the knob is kind of between a one and a two. And this knob is kind of two thirds <laughs> of the way from a seven to an eight. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And so someone would come in and say, you know, Paul, I really like the mix, but I would like to change the cowbell there in the bridge. And we're like, well, okay, that's going to take about nine hours. <laughs> you know, because I already left the project, right? My board is all switched to the another project. But now I could just push a button total recall on my console, total recall in Pro Tools, fix the cowbell, print it, boom, you're done in about 15 minutes. Wow. That is nice. That is nice. Because, you know, we all have multiple projects going on at the same time. It took it took eight months to make Shanti Noel. So in between making Shanti Noel, I was doing music for TV. I was doing music for clients. Yep. You know, there's a whole other life, life uh, cycle going on. But then when I get back to Shanti Noel, yeah, I got it right in front of me. Okay, okay, push number, you know, what is it, 81. And that's um, 
Shanti Noel, and 82 is um, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And very important not to mess up those numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but pretty amazing, though, that, you know, the total recall ability, and especially for a guy like me, because I make really small adjustments. I, I make adjustments where you'd be like, uh, sounds the same to me. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, I don't know. Are you are you okay? Are you just, have you gone delusional? It's like no, no, really. I did make a change, and this is what it is. And if I point it out to you, you may be like, "Oh, I think I get that." Yeah, like if I soloed the track, you'd be like, "Oh, yeah, I hear what you're talking about." Yep. So, so there's a lot of people like me that love the, you know, this micro editing control. It's um, it's a lot of fun because uh, once in a while. You stumble on these fantastic combination com, combina, combinations of sounds, you know, that are just so lovely. It's fun. <laughs> I, I like this is so fascinating to me because my brain works in that way. And so I understand everything that you're saying. But my expertise is not in being the producer or the audio engineer. So even when I was making and and being a part of my record, I would watch what was happening. And then I'd be like, whoa, that sounds massively different. Okay, yes, I love that. And so I think that, you know, there is definitely a creative process in every single step of the way in that. And I know that, you know, you've got, you can play multiple instruments and you compose and you produce and you engineer. What, I'm, I'm so curious, what is your creative process look like when you step into a project? Right. Well, these days I like to start from 30,000 foot up the archetype, the style guide, you know, like, okay, Paul wants to make a Christmas album. Well, how traditional is it going to be? How spacey is it going to be? How are you going to approach these classic songs? What's what are you going to feel like when you listen to it? Oh, so there's these three, three questions that you ask. Um, uh, who's going to listen to this album? What's the mm -hmm. target demographic? What are they going to be doing while they're listening to it? How is it going to serve them? How is it going to add something to their lives that is not already there or that they don't have 40 other versions of that mm. they already like? So good. So, yeah, a great producer told me these three questions many years ago. And at first I resisted it like most artists. I said, oh, I'm an artist. I'm going to do my thing. Don't you box me in with your rules. And, but, then, <laughs> but then I noticed that my career wasn't going so well. I was just kind of like stumbling along in a flat line kind of way. Nothing was really happening of much interest. And I thought about what Brian had said. It's Brian Keene, he's an amazing uh, film composer and guitarist. And uh, so about five years later, I started putting it into practice. And I swear within about five years, things started clicking for me. Because I stopped thinking about me and I started thinking of the listener. What am I doing for the listener? What can I do for the listener? What do I have in my heart and soul that may be useful universally, archetypally for this imaginary listener who's a real person right yeah. you gotta right we know we know our fans they're real people they do yoga they like to eat healthy they they're compassionate they're caring they're loving they're thoughtful they're kind they're good parents they they try their best that you know these are good people so what can i add to their lives what can i do for them so it's a perspective so you start out from that point and then you start coming down level by level 
so it's funny when I started Shanti Noel, Shanti Noel, the, the first concept was it was going to be very ambient, very spacey, mm-hmm. kind of like the track in the bleak midwinter, which was the first track I did. One mm-hmm. of my favorites, uh, uh, Shanti Noel itself, very spacey, very Paul Abgerinos. But then as I got more into it, I was like, well, you know, Christmas is a fun time. So can we have a little fun with this? Can we bring in some Indian beats and some tablas and bring in some beautiful female vocals and have some fun? You know, make like a lighthearted, fun side to it. Yeah. So it got bigger and bigger. It it, it turned into a 14-song album. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of got a little out of control. I was like, oh, man, we got to wind this thing up here or else it won't come out this year. It's going to be next Christmas. Yeah, 2024. Yeah, right. But it so, won't matter because it's going to be timeless, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I kind of broke some of my own rules a little bit on this one because the first half of the album is more, you know, groovy, fun with beats and recognizable melodies. And then it goes deeper into more traditional Paul Abgerino space music. But I think it works because, you know, people at the end of the day, of the day they're going to choose what, what resonates with them. I already had one of my best friends that she loves in the bleak midwinter. I'm like, well, of course you do, because we're best friends. You know, that's yeah. my favorite song. So, you know, we're vibrating like totally in sync. But someone else is like, oh, I love Christmas Caravan because it's, you know, it's based on on um you know the nutcracker suite arabian dance and um and it's got that middle eastern sexy middle eastern vibe to it and so it's beautiful to see you know the different tracks resonate with you like silent night so it's yeah. you know yeah yeah it, it i wanted to give something for everybody within the tent you know in the ambient new age tent i wasn't going to go too too strong too pop because then people be freaked out you know be like wait a minute <laughs> like what is this yeah so, but yeah well okay so kind of along the same lines as that do you have any unique rituals or maybe like methods that help you get into a creative mindset once you've kind of laid out that creative process of okay I've got the direction that I think I know that we're going now I've kind of got to get myself into that what are what are some of like Paul Avrino's rituals and methods that get him into that creative space yeah I definitely do that so when I get down to the actual production and I turn the power on in the studio and it's like time to actually make tracks I first I do an invocation to the goddess Sarasvati, the goddess of music and creativity. This mm-hmm. giant painting of her on my control room wall. And there's statues of her all around here. And my guru Amma, of course, is here. And the Lord Jesus is here. So I, I do an invocation. I say, please channel, use me as a vessel so some something of true beauty and value can come through me now in this mm. production. I'm about to start. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a, I'm a bass player who got lucky, you know, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm not that talented. I just, you know, I, I'm a hard worker. So I, I do these invocations and I do it through the process. You know, whenever there's a decision point, I'm not sure like, oh, is this good? What should I do? Then I, I throw, I just leave it up to the, leave it up to the goddess, leave it up to the Lord. And I get these intuitions, you know, and it's important for me because sometimes you're like, oh, I think I'm just going to delete that track. It's just, yeah. Well, two of my favorite tracks on the album almost got deleted because they were they were not 
working. They just, I, three months I worked on God Rest You Married Gentlemen, and it just wasn't clicking. And then finally, I had a light bulb moment. I knew what I needed to do, and boom, it came together. And Christmas Caravan, too, that was a real struggle, technically. I just could not get everything to mix well. The drums were too boomy, and this was that, and it would dro- drove me nuts. But I stick with it, you know, because I'm a craftsman. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a good track. I had the elements and I just had to keep remixing it until I finally got everybody in their happy place vis-a-vis each other. And that's the trick of mixing, you know, it's like you got to get everybody playing nice together. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like the the one way that I can kind of relate to that is when I was writing the track Sober You, I had, you know, the first half of it written and then the way I thought I wanted it to end when I began writing, it was one way, but there was something in me that told me this isn't really how I want to end this. Right. And so I almost had to take, I think I I put that song aside for about six months before I finished writing it because it just wasn't, it wasn't giving me the end result. Like I wanted that song to almost represent and be there for someone in a really dark time. But when they were in their bedroom and they were listening to that and when they were in a really dark place that that song on the back half of it gave them inspiration to say to yourself, I do have the strength. I can pick myself up and here's what the possible outcome can be. So I I don't know if you've experienced anything like that, but really almost taking a step back and letting it marinate on itself and subconsciously think about it before you come back to it. Totally, totally, Kristen. That's exactly what we do. You know, you have to know when to just, step it back, leave it alone. You know, it's like, uh, like a wound, you just don't pick at it, let it heal or or a friendship, you know, if somebody's pulling away, just don't push, you know, let them yeah. their way if they're meant, if you're meant to be together, you'll be together. And it's so important, because you know, that that it's like um, winter, right, you go fallow time, you know, you go in a quiet inward time, you go to the unmanifest where all the beautiful stuff comes from. And then when you quiet down enough, you'll get the message. Oh, this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Like with God rest you, it hit me one day. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, why didn't I think of that before? Well, because I was busy pecking away at it, you know, fighting with it. I was too much engaged in, oh, I'm going to make this sound good. Well, no, you're not actually. <laughs> It's not it's like, you know, I'm going to make this relationship work. It's like, well, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> she has to want to make it work. And, you know, in that case, that would be the music, right? So, yeah, it's uh, it's so important for artists to be able to do that and have the luxury of it. You know, you can take some time because, like, when you came back to it, then I think you achieved that with that song. You achieved the purpose of it which is a much higher purpose than if it just ended in a in a dark way yeah it was just one of those sad songs I think if I ended it in a dark way it was it was almost kind of too self-serving and I think that there was bits of me when I was writing it that I was like I really couldn't see the ending of that already but I felt it somewhere deep inside that eventually I would get there if I just like held on to it and gave myself time to space time and space to breathe, so to speak. You yeah, know? It, yeah, it's it's huge in the, in the creative process. It's happened to me many times. I think, I think actually on every album I've done, there's been at least one piece that 
doesn't come out as easily as the others. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like the problem child. It needs more TLC. It <laughs> yeah. needs more space, more patience. But often the beautiful part is often those tracks end up being the crown jewels. They, they end up being the best tracks because I think because they're birthing something very powerful and magical uh-huh. and, you know, it, it doesn't come out easily. It's just, it's just, it's just magical to me. I don't know why it happens with a certain track and not with another, but it, it, it always does though. In my experience, there's usually at least one where you're like, I don't know, you know, we, we could just delete this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we could it's not just... like it took us nine hours to replace the cowbells. So like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's another nine hours, you know, we worked on it for three months, but yeah. But, you know, part of that, that's being a good fiduciary, you know, a good uh, doing due diligence. I mean, if if you try all your ideas and it still doesn't work, it's okay to walk away from it. You know, you don't have to release everything that you produce. I have a few tracks that never made it onto particular albums because they they just didn't fit in, you know. I hear that. Like too too much of an outlier. Yep. I just throw them in the TV background library. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. So speaking Lemonade. of all the speaking of all the projects and albums that you've done, think back over the course of your career just for a moment. And can you think of one that maybe holds an extra special place in your heart or maybe has a particular meaning to you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um after my second daughter was born, due to the grace of my guru, which is a very magical story, I did an album in gratitude to her called Ama Devotional Songs to the Divine Mother. And then after that, I did another devotional album called Devotion. And those two are really special to me. They haven't done that well commercially, but, you know, that's often the case. I was mm-hmm. thinking about that this morning, that some of my dearest artistic children have have not you know paid for themselves financially but they're priceless you know the the the, getting to make them was the greatest reward so i always tell people you know to be able to make beautiful music is such a blessing and if you happen to be able to earn a living off of it that's you know icing on the cake but you know it's like my guru says if you go to pick flowers for someone Mm-hmm. you enjoy them first, you know, because you're picking them. You say, oh, look how beautiful these are in my garden. And you smell them. And you put them in a nice vase or something to bring them. And then you offer them. And But you know you've been enjoying them all along. Wow. So that's how I look at the music because I get to be there in the creation of it. I yeah. get to, It's like being present at someone's birth. It's yeah. a great honor. Or their death, birth or death is a great, it's a sacred passage. So it's a great honor to be present at the birth of of a new, I I look at these projects as they're like energetic beings, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. to me, they're, they're alive, these albums, the music's alive and it has, it has a vibrational power to it and energy to it. Like you were talking about um, sharing energy. And so for me, these these productions are alive. I, I always say at about three to four hours when I start a project, around three to four hours, they start to take a life. The pieces start to meld into something synergistic 
some new being. And it's very exciting. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, who is this? This yeah. is really cool. Who is this being? You know, what powers, what magic powers are here? And what does she want me to do now? Where, she, where does she want me to go now? Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the way I, I experience it. Do you feel like your your feeling towards seeing it come to life has either shifted or changed in the new age? Meaning, I I never got to experience being able to create a record and then it getting released, but the release was only physical copies of something. And hmm. nowadays, it's the release is 100% digital and then there may be physical that comes on the other side of that. Have you seen a shift in the way you feel or you're in your excitement over the years? Yeah, it's not really because the goal is always that souls will experience this with me, that they'll vibrate with this energy with me. And whether it happened physically or digitally didn't really matter. It's actually much better now because I reach so many more people digitally than I ever reached with physical. Um, I never did that great with physical because I didn't tour. And my friends that toured, they did much better because, you know, you sell at the show. People yep. are excited. They want to support you. They buy your CDs. Um, and I never toured in New Age at all, hardly. And so I struggle with that a bit. But with the the streaming, I've done really well. Because I, I got on, I got in this Amazon meditation playlist. I got like four million streams a month for a couple of years just on that one playlist. Wow! Never did anything near that with physical. I mean, yeah. not even in my wildest dreams did I think I could reach that many millions of people. So we're talking, you know, over a hundred million streams of one album. You know, and maybe it's even Very a cool. it, maybe it's even a blessing that digital has allowed you to be able to get in front of people who otherwise wouldn't have been able to hear your music. Yeah, exactly. I have fans all over the world that they wouldn't get the CD too expensive in Uganda yep. to buy a $20 CD. And it, it, it's, um, it's so much more environmentally friendly, you know, we're not cranking out plastic and mailing CDs and stores and everything. It's just, it's just data, you know, on a server. So it's it's more efficient and but the important thing is that because it's so specialized, you can reach many more people, mm -hmm. you know, because New Age is a niche and there's lots of active fans that they they're they're they love it. And you know, all the styles have that. Jazz has it and reggae music and every every style of music has that. So it's really great. I think streaming is awesome. It gets a bad rap because of, you know, the monetary side. But the truth is, the monetary side is no worse than it was back in the old days. In the old days, it was actually worse because you had to be with a big label or you were out. It was binary. You were either on Capitol Records or A&R or A&M or whatever, or yep. you were outside looking in. There was no grassroots way to make it. You could play at the local coffee house. Well, good luck with that. You know, yeah. you know, try to do that for 40 years. So, um, yeah, people complain about streaming dollars, but I remind them that, you know, the money side's always been the same. 
you don't make any real money until you have critical mass, until you get big numbers. Mm -hmm. Just like in the old days, it was the same thing. So, but the beauty part is you can get respectable numbers with a niche genre, which was almost impossible to do. Like when I started, Enya was the queen of new age music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was the reigning queen. There was no doubt. She was the king, queen, court, all wrapped into one. All of it. I'm pretty sure all like she she is the name of that playlist for me. <laughs> yeah, her name was synonymous yeah. with New Age music. You'd yeah. say, oh, I do New Age music. And they'd be, what's that? Like Enya. They go, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> not, not they, done. They, yeah, yes. done. Yeah. So uh, when I started, that's the scene. And that was the scene. And, you know, there was one Enya. They didn't need... 20 or 300 other <laughs> they had one right so uh you know and we had our little thing we'd make our cassette tapes and we would sell them at the new age shows you know and yeah. we just scratched out a living in the dirt it was it was nice it was great you know i was honored to be able to do that but now i mean it's amazing just to see you know literally hundreds of thousands of people hearing my music you know, with millions of streams. It's so cool. It it actually is pretty cool. I, I don't have nearly as many streams as you. And I'm like, wow, did this many people really listen to this? That's kind of exciting, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. I often... There's a, there's a democracy to it, you know? There's like a... It feels like a more even playing field, you know? It's... Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm surrounded by so many people in a few different layers of the music industry, whether it's DJs who are very well established, whether that means that they are producing, whether they're the performers, they're the name talent. I, I even have employees who are aspiring producers and are going to school for it. So there's many different ways that I kind of touch this music world. And one of the things that I thought of before we started recording was, you know, Pursuing this career in music often seems almost ethereal, almost untouchable, unattainable, almost like you're trying to um, leap across the river without a bridge, right? right? Like, How do I get from one side of this river to another? And my mind is asking myself and telling myself there has to be logical steps to navigate this path. And so considering what seems to be a successful journey, what advice would you have for someone who's aspiring to turn their passion into a sustainable career? Right, right. I I coach a lot of young people on this and sometimes they're not happy when they hear my answer. <laughs> so my basic take is if you if you got, say you've got 100% is all you can do, uh -huh. And let's say you spend 10% of that on actually making the music, but you've got to spend 80, 90% on promotion and marketing and building your brand and networking. And so, and a lot of super creative artists are not comfortable with that because they don't like promoting themselves. You know, mm -hmm. they, I know a lot of artists like this, they have much more talent than me, but they don't have that work ethic, you know, pounded out pound the pavement, turn over all the stones, send all the emails, get rejected 5,000 times, but succeed two times. So that's my my take is, yeah, you got to keep a log. You have to keep a log either digitally or on paper. These are, these are the 10 things I'm going to do today for my music career. And these are the 10 things mm -hmm. I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you, you got to, you got to, 
you know, check those boxes and you got to do all those steps. Now, a lot of it's going to fail miserably and not, not yield anything that you see. Ah, but vibrationally, energetically, you're putting a lot of positive energy where attention goes, energy flows. So if you're focusing on your music career, right, eventually some things are going to click. I cannot tell or promise you what will click, when it will click, but I can guarantee that something is going to click if you put tremendous effort into it over five to 10 years. Mm. So, you know, my Guru Amma would say, you know, you have to prepare the soil. If you want to grow some beautiful tomatoes or whatever, or avocado trees, you, you have to prepare the soil. You've got to fertilize, get rid of pests and invasive species and weeds, and then you have to plant carefully, and you've got to scare the rabbits away, and you've got to, it's a lot of work mm. before you get anything, you know? And even then, you might have a bad season where the rains are not right, and there's a flood, or God knows what, and the whole crop gets washed out. That's life. Music is like that. This might fail, that might fail, but you don't give up. You keep working at it. And you celebrate the small successes. You know, when I started and somebody asked me to make a little cassette recording master for them, I was thrilled. It's like, oh, this is my big break. (laughs) This is the start of my new age career that I always dreamed of. And so I made some cassette tapes. Didn't get any Grammy Awards. It's, It's just one step along the way. So, you know, you have to. But of course, I turned one of those cassette tapes into a heartfelt letter to my favorite New Age record label. And it was so passionate and it was just so innocent that he called me up and he said, let's do a record, man. Nobody writes me letters like this. Right. You see, because heartfelt from the heart, if you you, you come from the heart, people are going to feel it's authentic. And yeah, you're trying to build your career, but the intention is lofty. You want to help heal the world with love. That's a good goal. That's something the world needs. The world needs healing with unconditional love. So, you know, that's what I tell young people. Have a plan. Have steps that you're, tangible steps you're going to take. It's all out there online, you know, building your social media brand, building your sales. Now, you know, it's all available. But mm-hmm. you got to do it. You've got to go through the steps. And um, yeah, you have to make beautiful recordings, professional, proud of recordings, not apologize for anything, you know. But then you've got to follow through. You've got to get it out there and connect the dots and do interviews and, you know, just um, work hard at it. So that's the way I look at it. So good. So good. <laughs> and if, if you only listen to this one time, I encourage you to rewind and listen to that once again, because he literally just gave you the play by play on everything that you need to do. Um, you know, I think this is a great segue um, to one of the projects that I am just so enamored by that you worked on. And I, I think the reason why it makes me so excited is because I remember listening to his books when I was in college. And so um, for those of you who don't know, you have done work with Deepak Chopra, so inspirational. And I think it was one of his last few books that he wrote was The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, I believe. And then 
he created with you the musical meditations to that. I, yeah, yeah. I am blown away. First of all, I absolutely love that because not only did he, did he write down the steps to get across the bridge, right? But then there is something tangible and actionable. I feel like in that with the album, at least that's how I'm seeing it. What do you think? Oh yeah, that that book was probably one of the most important books of my formative times. In 94 that came out and it, it's a classic. I mean, it's one of the most important new age books of the century. It's huge. Yes. It's just he takes the sometimes difficult deep Advaita Vedanta law of India and puts it in a nice way in a way that westerners can receive and understand an actionable way that they can actually put it into practice. So that was a dream come, tr come true to be able to work with him. I've made five albums with him now with my partner, Kabir Segal. And this is a good example of the last conversation. How did I get to work with Deepak? Because I met Kabir at a Grammy party and I was there working on my career. Well, ah, so see the circle. Now that that's a hero, my childhood hero. Yes. Deepak a huge figure in the West, just, it's hard to put it into words for my generation. I'm just massive figure. Well, I he's think a, we are different generations, like, but like he was massive to me too. Yeah. Well, he's crossed generations in his effectiveness. Yeah. He's amazing that way. He's, he's had that staying power. And, you know, in terms of bringing yoga wisdom to the West, I don't think he's totally unrivaled in that way. Paramahansa Yogananda did a lot, but it was more to the hardcore yoga folks, you know, people that were, really ready to go super deep but deepak brought it broad you know he brought it oprah winfrey style to yeah i did whole, yeah the whole world so he's amazing he's but like again, you get good vibes you get good vibes you yeah. get good vibes <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah look under your chair your wishes will be fulfilled your dreams you get the law of attraction today you get the law of attraction because everybody gets the law of attraction yeah that's great Kristen. i love it Oh man! Totally, yeah. So, but this is so true how it ties together because I would have never gotten to work with Deepak if I hadn't made that effort that day. Me and Kabir met, we clicked and right away. We recognized something in each other. We're very similar. We're, we're both dreamers and artists, but we're hard workers. We recognize that right away. We, we got our feet on the ground and we work really hard all the time because, you know, we don't expect anybody to give anything to us. We we expect we may earn something by the grace of God. So, you know, he's heavily kindred soul for me. And like my father told me when I was 11, we were walking out under the stars. I said, oh, look, Daddy, the stars are so beautiful. And he said, Paul, this is so corny. It makes me cry every time. He said, Paul, hitch your wagon to the stars, but keep your feet on the ground. You, you can go to the stars, but hitch your wagon to the stars, but keep your feet on the ground. So that's that's that dual thing, right? Like I always say to people I mentor, look, God gave us two parts to our brain. We have a rational side and we have a deeply creative, intuitive side. Yeah. Why not use both of them? Why, why go through life? You know, you know how some people seem to just be running on 50%? Yes. Right? Oh, Creative, creative, intuitive, great, but they can't balance their checkbook and they don't have any money in their pocket because they can't manage money. Well, 
you got to have both. You got to have both. Use both. God's given us both sides. So this is what I do in the studio. You know, one minute I'm like grooving with the flow of the Divine Mother, and the next minute I'm like, what's wrong with that EQ? There's something. <laughs> There's something at 1,400 that's bothering me. I think we need to use a pull tech equalizer here. Yes, yes. Right, right. And then I'm yes. back to grooving with the divine mother and we're dancing and we're flowing and grooving. Then yes. I'm like, wait a minute. There's something wrong with that kick drum. I think we could make that kick drum sound better. Right? Yes. You know, it's like a computer. Actually, it goes back and forth so quick that it seems like it's if it's actually using both at the same time because it's multitasking back and forth back and forth and if a fully actualized person an awakened person it's it's seamless right you watch me work in the studio it'd be like one minute i'm eyes are closed and i'm in this dream state and the next minute i'm adjusting an eq it's just right yeah okay If you don't have an answer to this, I might throw one little tidbit that works for me. And that it's, there's only one that I have ever figured out. Do you have any tips for how to unlock both sides of the brain at the same time? Because I do feel like, because I've experienced it, sometimes I intentionally have to say, or I have to wake up certain sides of my brain in order for them to work together and do that. Have you experienced that? Is I'm, am I crazy? It just, is it just me? No, I think you're you're right. I think that's how it starts for everyone. And for me, what works is I go very deeply into one side, as deep as I can go. Every morning I meditate, every night yes. I meditate. I yep. chant, I do mantra, I do yoga. I go as deep as I can into the stillness. But then I also read books and stimulate my mind. And why why is 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 CIAI is AI stock a good buy right now at 2955? I don't know. Let's look at the 200 day moving average. And so I'm stimulating that rational part of the brain. Yes. You know? And I go really deep into that until I can't take it anymore. And it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> what does the intuitive side say, right? <laughs> you want to throw the I Ching? Should we buy AI stock? I don't know. It's pretty volatile. <laughs> Back and forth. My intuition says, it's a lot of risk, Paul. Are you going to be sleeping good at night? Is it going to make you yeah. anxious? If it will, it's not worth it. I don't care how much money you make. If it takes away your peace of mind, it's not worth it. And so I'm not buying the AI stock, not because of the rational side so much, but because it's going to make me a little anxious because it's very volatile. The swings are are volatile. So, you know, I think I think that's how it works for everybody. You know, you you have to find how do how do you go deep into the spiritual? How does it work for you? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And how do you function in the cerebral, rational, dispassionate realm? Logic, you know, logic. A equals B equals yep. C. This minus blah blah blah. And then over time, they merge, you know, mm-hmm. they start overlap with each other and it becomes, it becomes more seamless and more natural, I think, you know? Yes. I think we're, we're naturally meant to be fully actualized. I think that's, that's our destiny. And, and you see people, you know, when you surround yourself with people who are fully actualized, like Deepak and like my guru, you realize how effortlessly they flow between one and the other. Mm. So while while Deepak is is lecturing on Advaita Vedanta to me and Kabir in the lounge out of the recording studio, and I'm like, oh my God, this is like beautiful satsang. Yeah. He's very relaxed. 
he's very relaxed. He's mm-hmm. just like, you know, he could fall asleep at any minute. He just happens to be talking about non-dual awareness, the deepest end of the spiritual pool. <laughs> what does it mean? How do you get there? You know, it's like Advaita Vedanta, that's like the ultimate, you know, that's Eckhart Tolle, that's the end of the rainbow. That's the end of the journey. You know, oh, you... ec- ec- that I that forget. That's another of... good example. Yeah, he's yes. like a little elf. He's like a little gnome sitting there. He's so chill. I, he's I'm going to so tell chill. you. I don't know. Is is he doing albums now? Oh, this he has lots of recordings. Yeah. Okay, because I I haven't listened to those. I was like, we're going to need to call him up because his books have changed my life over the course of time. Me too. Me too. I love his books. The uh, um. The Power of Stillness, fantastic little... Oh, uh, I haven't read that one. Oh, it's great. It's just these little sutras, little paragraphs. You just read one and then you just close your eyes and just drift in bliss. It's, they're so beautiful. So yeah, good. Eckhart, Eckhart is is a huge figure for our our times. He's, he's a wonderful blessing on all of us. He really is amazing. I love it. So I've heard you talk about, I've heard you mention guru a lot. And I absolutely love the piece of advice that your dad gave you. Who else do you feel like inspires you, whether that's in the present or whether that has been in the past that has lingered into the present? Sure. When I was a teenager around 15, 16, uh, I had a rock band and we were practicing and one of my buddies brings a record over and he puts it in and I said, Paul, listen to this. And I hear this wild music and I'm like, what the heck is that, man? <laughs> he said, just listen, listen, it's really cool. And I'm like, I don't know, it sounds really scary and strange. Anyway, it was John McLaughlin, Mahavishnu Orchestra, Inner Mounting Flame, which was turned out to be one of the most influential bands of the 70s influenced a whole generation of us of that time in, in music and almost single-handedly made me want to be in music because he was showing that music had great spiritual power. He had a guru, Sri Chinmoy, and he was expressing that through the music. And his guru came from Queens to Norwalk, Connecticut, few miles from where I was living and on, on a Saturday morning every week. And I said, well, this is not a coincidence. I love this artist so much. Carlos Santana was in there and Michael Walden, a bunch of all devotees of Sri Chinmoy. And so I rushed down there and learned everything I could. But I can never forget going to see John playing at the University of Bridgeport. And I went there with uh, my buddy, uh, James Earl Jones's kid, one of his kids. And and he said, when we got there, Paul, you just took off. You ran right up to the stage and dropped down on your knees and you didn't move for an hour and 45 minutes. And I was just entranced. I was just, I was gone. He said, you were gone, man. And I was gone. <laughs> so that's it. Game over. I'm doing music or I'm dying. Those are the two choices. Uh... I, remember, I even remember saying that to God when I was 19. I was really struggling, very shy and uh misanthropic and didn't really know how to connect and get on in in life and (laughs) so i had a little talk with god in my mind i said you know lord i'm okay with dying if that's what needs to happen now but i'm also good with doing music i could see either of those things working out for me (laughs) but nothing else makes any sense to me at all nothing else makes any sense to me and so god said a little voice in my head said 
okay, well, let's do music. <laughs> oh, that is so good. <laughs> let's do music then. I think I think we should do music. That and is then so good. Things started, things started to click. It started to click. Um, started to develop a career in classical music and jazz, and, and then everything just worked out fine. But you know, that was a that was a big moment. A lot of musicians are like that when they're young. They're just, you know, too sensitive, too delicate, and too emotional. And it's just hard to for them to get with the whole program, you know. <laughs> the whole program. For those the of you who don't know what the program is, that's what we we've don't been even talking know about. What it is, and we can't get with it because probably because we don't know. Well, to be a robot worker drone or something, you know, I don't know. What is the program? To be a consumer. It just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, what's the point of that? Just consuming the earth. I don't know what I'm doing in return. But anyway, wonderful talk. <laughs> you you get you get the you get the uh, law of attraction. You get, you get, get the law. Listen, of everyone can, gets the law of attraction. If you can get the law of attraction, that's a really great start to getting with the program. <laughs> it is. That's the real program. Yep. Well, I have absolutely enjoyed every single bit of my time with you today. Um, I do want to end with just one more thing. It was my my most favorite thing that you said in one of your last emails to me, and it totally had me hooked, is um, how much you believe in the power of prayer, visualization, and affirmation. So for those of for those who are listening that maybe haven't started any of that, whether that's prayer or affirmation or visualization, or maybe they're new to it, what uh, practices or or things that do you do in your daily life that could help someone who wants to start doing one of those three things? And, and then we'll leave our listeners with that. Sure. Well, there's a few things. There's a mantra practice where you find a mantra whose meaning connects with you and you connect with the sound of it and the meaning and you you chant it or you repeat it silently in your head. There's chanting where you, you sing devotional songs, either in English or Sanskrit or Spanish or whatever language works for you. And then there's yoga, you know, physical yoga. And then there's study, you know, reading the beautiful spiritual books like the seven spiritual laws the eckhart books whatever you surround yourself with you become so if you surround yourself with murder mysteries and mayhem and horror you're gonna your life is gonna be that you're gonna vibrate at that frequency and it's not a happy world but if you surround yourself with light and love unconditional love bliss the presence of god you seek to experience the presence of God, which is available to all of us at all times, but the veil is blocking it. The veil of physicality is blocking us from feeling it. So you surround yourself with spiritual people, uplifting people, positive people, people that make you feel better after you talk to them. They don't make you feel bad when you talk to them. Good energy people. Um, I run a satsang here in Reading every month. Mm. People come over in my yoga room, my worship room, and we sing devotional songs. We I read funny stories, and we have great discussions. It's so positive. It's so uplifting, you know. And some people are sick. Some people are struggling with this, struggling with that. But it, it's it's a blessing. We're, we're we're uplifting each other. So you seek out people like that. Seek out groups like that, where there's unconditional love. 
and support for one another. And all these things work together. The way I look at it is we're always going somewhere. So it's a question is, are we going, are we moving in a positive spiral or is it a negative downward spiral? It's never a straight line. Obviously, it's wave action, you know, ups and downs. But, you know, in general, are we moving in a favorable direction in our life? Do we feel good about the way things are going? Often it's the people around us. You know, you, you have to be strong. If there's someone that's really dragging you down into the dumps, you don't want to spend time with them. You have to protect yourself. Your 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 connection to the oneness is precious it's you know i I was on a retreat in costa rica a couple weeks ago a lady was talking about this that you you know you have to be careful who you let into your inner vibrational sanctum your your sacred space of your temple your being because you know they're getting a free ride in there and if they have Mm -hmm. darkness they're affecting you you know so and I said, is that fear-based? And she said, no, no, it's not fear-based. It's reality-based. Mm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we can only focus on one thing at a time. Think about it, right? Mm-hmm. If you feel really good, there's no room in you to feel really bad. Mm-mm. There might be a little hint of something that's bothering you a little, or maybe your toe hurts or something. But in general, you you feel good. So humans are are like that. So if we can keep our channel clear, our channel to the oneness or, I, or to the divine, as I call it, whatever language works for you, keep that channel clear and open so you have that connection to the oneness, to the source or source energy. She used the word source, connection to source energy. You keep that clear and you don't let people into your sanctum who are wanting to feed off of your energy. That's like Eckhart Tolle's the, the pain body. You have mm-hmm. to watch out for that pain body. It's very active in this world of the human earth. It's very active in human civilization, as we know. So you have to protect yourself from it. And uh, and then, you know, it's better to be alone than to be in a in a, in a negative situation. And so people like us, sometimes we have to be alone for a while because, you know, it's better to be alone and connected to source than to be in a relationship and be miserable. So good. And I think that applies to any type of relationship, whether it's romantic, personal or professional. Right. All of them. All All of them. them. Yeah. All of them. Because it's all energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's exactly any kind of relationship. And the relationship with ourself, you know, mm-hmm. is our relationship with our higher self healthy? Is it open? Is it honest? Do we admit when we're struggling mm-hmm. to ourselves? It's like, oh, I'm having a hard time adjusting. I got back from Costa Rica and it was 30 degrees. And it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do I have to reexamine my life choices? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, honestly, the time that we've spent together has been so uplifting. And I, I know that you're just going to vibrate such good energies onto everyone who's listening. Um, listeners, I'll make sure that I link his new album in the show notes for you guys. And we will see you on the next episode of Love Lead XL. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much, Kristen. So, <laughs> delight, delight. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to the Love Lead XL podcast. 
For more inspiration, hit subscribe wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts and follow me, Kristen, on Instagram at meetkristen. Until next time, I empower you to continue to love what you do, lead by example, and excel at it all. You know all those things you've always wanted to go do? You should go do them.